What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Tofu Talk. For those of you who don't know us, we are two Asian Americans with very different backgrounds that are clearly shown in our personalities. This is a podcast where we'll share our experiences, mistakes, and more that will hopefully entertain you and maybe even make you think a little. We hope you enjoy the episode. What's going on, everybody? Hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tofu Talk. Tofu Talk. That's John's favorite part of the episode. By far. I love it. It's, I <laughs> Not just... even what we're going to be talking about today. Just that. Well, I, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> Me let's, neither. let's see what happens. Sometimes it's, the, it's like the stutter entrance, like that one. Sometimes it's like the Tofu Talk. Like I just kind of, you know. Fun fact. It. I don't know if everyone knows, but John can sing. You say that every time I do this. Oh, Asia. really? They they definitely know by now. Well, maybe it's a different person listening to the episode who hasn't listened to any of our episodes before. True. If so, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. Um, so, what started off today is, or this episode's going live on Sunday, June 6th. Mm-hmm. So, let's give them our yin and our yang of the week. week. All right. I'm going to kick it off. Shoo, shoo. Yin of the week. It's so hard to be serious with you sitting next to me. Let's go. What's the yin? Okay. Yin of the week was... Oh, wait. Yin is my good thing. Okay. Yin... With, uh, this morning. Oh. Oh, right, right, right. Um, so, we went to Target this weekend. Well, we had a goal in mind for what we were going to Target to get. But as we all know, once you go to Target, you don't actually just get that one thing. So... We went to Target. Do, 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 do. We were going into the frozen section. Bam! Right in our face. The best. Kodiak plant based waffles. Bum, bum, bum. 10 grams of protein for every two waffles. The just like, it tasted like Eggo waffles of my dreams. But like better. Like but better, better yeah. Waffles. And we, well, I mean, we got to pat ourselves on the back. We did the presentation up pretty well. Mm-hmm. So we uh, threw those threw those waffles in the toaster oven. They, they were super quick to like, I don't know, two minutes. Yeah, not even. Um, and then we, uh, actually you did this. You made like a little, what would you say, strawberry compote? Yeah. With like a little cinnamon on top. We used some maple syrup. Which was from, well, I put in, so it was strawberries and I put in the uh, monk fruit syrup. Yes, so that would be a zero calorie maple syrup, naturally sweetened yep. um, maple syrup. So, so, so we topped it with that. That was delicious. And then we had a little just egg on the side, which is Ooh. a plant based egg. That's delicious. Yep. And some vegan bacon as well. Oh, it was, I think it's like uh, maple bacon. Is it? It's, has like a maple. It? Is it Sweet Earth. Or? Sweet Earth. The company Sweet Earth makes it. Yeah. So that was honestly the yin of my week, which was finding out that Kodiak, a brand that has not been making vegan products in the past, is now making a plant-based waffle, and now I will be enjoying that quite frequently. So go to your Target, buy it, support them, so that they are making. Maybe they'll make their plant-based. Can they make the pancake mix? Kodiak pancake oh, mix. Oh, I wonder if they have a plant-based pancake mix well, yet. Maybe, maybe it's like a test run. Could so be. So we hammer the waffles and maybe they'll make a plant-based pancake mix. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so my yang of the week... Bum, bum, bum. ...was an apartment 
falling oh. through. So for y'all who don't know, Jonathan and I are looking for an apartment in the Boston, Cambridge, outer Boston yeah. area. Metro. Metro Boston area. Um, so we've been searching, hunting, trying to swerve those broker's fees. Uh, we were hoping to get an apartment through one of our friends, but unfortunately it fell through. So that's just the name of the game. Just yeah. got to keep pushing. Just got to keep it, swimming. Keep, just keep swimming. You guys it, will understand why I'm yeah. saying that. <laughs> or things, they probably know the title already. So they probably oh, know. yeah. That's, <laughs> we're, not that, <laughs> we're not that mysterious. But yeah, that stinks. But yeah. So the show must go on, though. We're, we're going to keep hunting. If any of y'all have an apartment, one bedroom that you're looking to get rid of, come... Uh, Come a few months. I don't know why I'm giving you like yeah. all my information, but anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, on Instagram, thanks. <laughs> on, on DM us. <laughs> all right, my yin and my yang. My yin, God, I knew these before this started. Now I'm forgetting. My yang. I'll start my yang. My yang is that it's been 90 degrees with like 90% humidity here in Boston the last few days. Not used to this. And it is brutal. Like I can't even walk down the street. I just starting to like profusely sweat. And like I'm very, I sweat a lot. I know you sweat a lot, Asia. Gonna call me out like that? Yeah, I had to. Yeah, please do. So like it's just been like just uncomfortable and just not fun. You know, you can't even go outside. It's been a, it's been like an AC like hangout weekend because it's like just it's a US app a little bit, get a little tan, and you gotta go back inside or Mm -hmm. go to the pool or go to the beach. So that hasn't been a great time. My yin of the week. Which no, I, that that was your yin of the week. What about your? No, that was my yang of the week. Oh, that was your yang of the weather. week. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. What's my yin of the week? I thought I knew what it was mm, before this started. My yin of the week. What should John's yin, yin of oh. the week be? <laughs> it's Target again, guys. Oh yeah. Shout out Target. Sponsor this video. This sponsor this video. Sponsor this podcast. Um, oh. No, if you guys have never had sour strips, they, it's this. Um, uh, sour candy, delicious. Like these, like sour belts. They have a ton of flavors: blue raspberry, rainbow, strawberry, pink lemonade, mango, apple. I, I gotta know them all. And <laughs> they're out of this world. And usually they're only available online, um, or they're like select like retailers down in Texas where they were, uh, I guess, created. Um, but they are now in Target nationwide. So if you've never had them, go get them. They're plant-based. There's no uh, gelatin use in them. They are actually sour, mm-hmm. unlike. Sour Patch Kids or, you know, Haribo Sour Candy. These are actually sour. So if you're a sour fan, you like gummies, go get them. Shout out Max Tuning. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, no, that was the main reason we went to Target. So I'm glad we found them at the last minute. But literally, we were They like, weren't even in the candy aisle. Yeah. Like, the designated candy aisle, we only found them when we were checking out. And they weren't even, like, next to the register. They were, like, hidden. Like, they were on hidden, the bottom yeah. shelf, like... On an, like an aisle that was closed, but we thank you, AJ, for finding those. I appreciate no it. No problem. Where's Waldo Master over here? <sighs> Even though my vision sucks, but at least I'm. <laughs> Contacts work. Huh? So the reason why we wanted to get snacks were because we were doing some movie watching this weekend, mm-hmm. and one of the movies we dived into has been on our list for a little while. I think it came out back in March of this year, mm-hmm. uh, so a few months ago. Um, but we did wanted to kind of get a good take on it. And at least try to, you know, understand uh, the perspective of the movie, which was... Seaspiracy. I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably already seen Seaspiracy. If you're one of our vegan friends or vegan followers, I'm sure you might have seen it on Netflix. It was, you know, rated in the top 10 for 
quite some time. Um, very popular film. I know their Instagram page is very popular as well. Yeah, they have like for a mo- I didn't know movie pages on Instagram could get that many followers, but they have like almost seven hundred thousand followers. Yeah, I feel like if I'm gonna like, I, I watch a movie, I'm not gonna follow it on Instagram. It's like uh, I know I, I never but, thought to do that. But, but this one's great because they post tons of facts and information on it yes. and resources. So definitely check out at uh, Seaspiracy on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. But I thought we'd start off this Asia with a rating. What would you rate the film? Like the construction of the film. I mean, obviously the information was amazing. Mm-hmm. But I guess like the way the story was told, the way the information was portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the I guess the director, the guy, the guy who stars in it, Ollie, did, did a great job, I thought. But I guess what, were, what was your, what would you give it out of 10? Okay, wait. Before we completely give our, uh, our feedback on it and like our ratings, for anyone who hasn't or doesn't know what Seaspiracy is. Oh, yeah, good point. Let me just introduce <laughs> what, what it is. So it's a documentary looking at the impact of uh, commercial fishing and how it's impacting the oceans, marine life, human health, planetary health. So basically everything, um, just doing like a deep dive into, actually it was like an internationally filmed Mm -hmm. video because you can see um, the uh, main guy in the documentary goes to Japan, Goes Europe, to France. Hong Kong, yeah. Goes to all these different countries and shows the commercial fisher uh, fisheries um, in each of those countries. So you get a really good insight into okay, what is what's going on in all of these, not just in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I but love yeah, that. so that's what Seaspiracy was uh, documenting. That was the main aim and mission of the um, film was to really reveal what is this. Um, sustainable fishing um mm-hmm. that we see labeled on packaging of fishes of fishes a fish. <laughs> a fish is that really true when you're actually looking at commercial fisheries yeah he dives in i mean it's very detailed kind of the the level that he gets into when you know going to these fisheries around the world when he's talking about all the different aspects of it it's it's i thought it was a great job well done mm-hmm. but thank you for i guess explaining that to them because i'm sure some of them haven't seen it yet right right um so i mean we only recently watched it so. exactly exactly but um okay so now going on to our first like initial um ratings yeah. after we just watched it so uh i think that it was a 10 out of 10 and the r- reasons i'll give for that are i'm sure we'll get into more of it but it was my for- my first really thorough uh, exposure to commercial fishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, What it looks like, uh, where it happens, what its impacts are. Um, The interviews I thought were really great that were... um, The interviews that were able to happen in the documentary because Ali, the main uh, guy, he wasn't able to get interviews with everyone involved in uh, commercial fishing for obvious reasons they're just you know, slide them yeah swerve around them. swerve them that's the word swerve slide Jeez. around them <laughs> <laughs> whoops yeah they were, they were swerving them left and right but um i thought there were some great interviews there were some marine biologists scientists who are also speaking on the issues um I mean, he talked to people like european parliament yes like he yes. he's on the interviews he had were so I, I was almost surprised he was able to land the interviews they're very like high up ranking people and just to kind of get the, the information, that, I guess, or their perspectives, or kind of their 
what they, I guess, what I've been doing a little bit, but kind of what they think about certain things, I thought was was, was really cool. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And one last thing that contributes to my 10 out of 10 rating is that the film really, really focused on the planetary health effects mm-hmm. of, of commercial fishing. Because I think that a lot of times... Um, like, especially on this podcast, we talk about the ethical reasons 100%. for not consuming fish uh, because they are animals at the end of the day um, and not not eating them for the reasons of it's just not necessary and it's just not right the yeah. way that it's done. Um, so it was interesting to see it from a purely scientific and completely objective um, perspective. I, I agree. I couldn't... You took the words right out of my mouth. Whoop! <laughs> took them. Uh, the um, decimation of the fish population, when we all know that that's not the reason. It's actually because of the commercial fishing. So I just like how the different perspectives he was able to show on the... starts off with like the decimation of fish, or like the, the populations being wiped out, how the oceans are, like we call the series, uh, emptying out, how that... All from the top down begins this snowball effect to, I mean, initially, I mean, destroy ecosystems, destroy the climate, destroy the ocean, destroy the planet. And then it goes into how this is being, how this is allowed to happen. So he explains what's happening and then how it's even being allowed, how these coalitions, how these organizations, how these governments are allowing these, uh, this industry to continue to do what they do, even though they know it's not okay. So I thought that was kind of the best way he could kind of, you know, tee up the tee up the ball for him to kind of hit out of the park. So that did a great job there. I really like what you mentioned there about bycatch. And for those who don't know what bycatch is, because I, kind of a term that not, I, I wasn't fully aware, what is bycatch? B-Y-C-A-T-C-H. See, I knew what it was, but I didn't know to the extent, mm. like how and how many, mm-hmm. how and in, how insane the numbers were that were behind all this stuff. So, bycatch is like so when commercial fisheries are going out to the oceans, and their goal is to catch bluefin tuna. So they're throwing out these mile long nets, miles long nets Crazy. that go all the way to the ocean bottom trenches and are ripping up the coral reef as they're getting their their goal is to catch everything in their possible Mm -hmm. ability um that's why they make them miles long so even if your goal is to catch bluefish tuna you're going to by nature just it's going to happen you're going to catch other things you're going to catch other things in that huge net and so what bycatch is talking about is all of those animals that are being uh, wrapped up into those nets, um, and they aren't used for uh, for being sold, for being eaten, or anything. So, for example, you're throwing out this huge net. You catch a bunch of sea turtles, dolphins, uh, sharks. Um, I think the stat for sharks is that upwards of eleven thousand four hundred forty-six, something like that, almost like twelve thousand. Sharks per hour are per hour, hour are killed in bycatch. So that means your goal as a commercial fisher fisher 
is catching all of these bluefish, uh, bluefin tuna, but in that hour that you're catching those bluefin tuna, you're also catching, like, this amount of uh, unintentional... It's quote-unquote called accidental intake or accident... Sorry, accidental take, but there's nothing accidental about it. Mm -hmm. They know that these animals, uh, sharks, dolphins, sea turtles, they're going to... Seals. They're going to be caught in the nets, but they don't care because efficiency, right? Yeah, no, I I think... I think you did a good job there sharing the uh, the the idea behind how long these nets are. Because like, you think about a it's mile. It's hard to fathom. Yeah, a mile. Like, I know a lot of people who, came and, who can't run a mile. You know I mean? <laughs> so I think, think about how long a mile Sorry, is. Sorry, I'm not laughing at anyone who can't run a mile. I'm laughing at the fact that... I, I use that example. That you use that example. But, but I'm saying like a mile. Like, think about how long a mile is. Miles and, like, long. How many things can get caught. Like, this is why I wish I did giant squids and krakens still around that just take out these fishing boats like i know those aren't real but whatever who knows we don't know a lot about the ocean but we're decimating it so we'll never find out i mean some of the numbers you talked about was like um the population of pacific bluefin tuna has decreased by like 99 percent like yep. like they're gone in the lot yeah they're gone like do you know how, how big the gone. ocean is how big the ocean is you're telling me there's there's just and we're just still catching them at such a crazy rate. Mm-hmm. I just... I think it's about 90% of all of the ocean's large fish. So meaning like uh, whales, dolphins, like all your all your big fish. Those are gone. Those have been already fished. 90%. So we're in the year, what, 2021? Mm-hmm. So, I think, right? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I always lose what track. You? Yes, 2021. We're in 2021. But so if it's 2021 and already 90% of our large fish are gone from the oceans and we're still rapidly fishing, we're not slowing down by any means, what's going to happen to the oceans? Like, there's just no time for these fish to repopulate. You can't repopulate that fast when you're being fished that fast. Well, I think, exactly. I think we talked about, I kind of mentioned this when I said the way that I liked, I liked how we talked about kind of the from the top down the food chain right and whales obviously they're kind of the like the kings and queens of the ocean are the biggest they're uh, also called the gardeners of the ocean the gardeners and this is what i'm about to get into Ooh, hey look about, at us read my mind so whales are very important this is why i like the climate the climate perspective on this because something i didn't realize are how vital whales are to our planet like they're not just gardeners of the ocean i mean these are protectors of the world when you think about it right they are very important to the carbon cycle because i think the stat that uses one whale is worth thousands of trees in carbon capture because whales feed phytoplankton right so phytoplankton are these little plants or these little little sea plants sea plants that Think about, like, Plankton from Spongebob Squarepants. Yeah, I like that. He's phytoplankton. Oh, well, Which is bad because he's portrayed as the bad guy. But he's the savior. Without him, no human life would be possible, so. Without him, Spongebob's not alive. Exactly. So basically, the phytoplankton, they can, uh, they capture carbon, right? So the only way that these things live is they feed off of whale poop. That's, Which is kind of funny. Right? So That's why they're called the gardeners of the ocean. Exactly. Exactly. So if we're killing the whales, then we can't 
feed the phytoplankton, they can't capture the carbon, and we have what we like to call global warming. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's such a simple thing. Hey, guys, don't catch that massive animal right there. Like, just don't see how big it is. Just let it be. But no, because of the methods of fishing that have become or have come to sight because of the greed and the, um, I guess the, the greed and kind of just the I guess innovation, though, in the fishing industry, it's created these methods that capture everything. They don't mm-hmm. seek out, you know, removing these animals. They literally just say anything in this one mile stretch, we're taking home with us. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's causing the the world to, I don't know, I don't want to say it, like sounds so horrible, but like causing the world to, to really be in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult because, obviously, I mean, when we were coming up with the name of this series, it might seem a little somber. Empty Ocean series. I like to call it um, uh, eye-opening. Eye-opening, okay. I think we said it. I think you said it, and I got goosebumps. I was like, that, that's what we're going to go with. Yeah, but it's like the reason why that came to mind is because, I mean, on at the rate at which we are fishing, um, it's just there's no other possible uh, outcome. If you do, there's just no possible outcome. And I think sometimes it is important to face the reality head on. And even if people are like, oh, that's just being such a Debbie Downer. Okay, maybe. But first we need to understand what the problem is before we can be hopeful about ways to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right? You first have to be aware of what's going on. And the awareness we need to have is that oceans are becoming empty. Which I don't think anyone, re- I don't think. And any- so now we'll get into why people don't know. Right? Well, I, oh, yeah, okay, I guess. I was going to say, no, I, well, like, 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 personally speaking, right, for myself, before I watched this movie, before I did any research on the oceans or any of this kind of what's been going on, is that in, from my perspective, all you hear is, you know, the ocean makes up 70% of the world. Like, the ocean is so, like, 80% of the ocean is undiscovered. Like, there's X, Y, and Z, the ocean's so massive, no one knows it. So, in my, I thought, oh, the ocean's just this vast space. Limitless. Well, a limitless, well-populated, there'd be fish forever, X, Y, and Z. That's, I think, and I think that's, I don't want to speak for most people, but I think that's like the mainstream thought process. Mm-hmm. That's what you hear, that's what you see everywhere, that, oh, the ocean's this just, exactly, limitless space. And then this, what I got in this film with some research is that it's really, it is, but when it comes down to the population of beings in the ocean, yes, there's a ton of them, but the ones that we... I guess we f- that, that the world eats or kind mm-hmm. of f- that feeds on is that it it's it's almost gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It really kind of condenses that to a much smaller mm-hmm. uh, population idea. Exactly, and I think what you're pointing to is also the the fact that if you take out of an ecosystem, you take out a. All right, so switching gears a little bit, we've talked about what's going on, the dire state of the ocean. Now we're going to address why is all of this allowed to happen despite how poor of a situation the ocean is in currently and has been for quite some time now. Why is this even being allowed? Why is this overfishing allowed? So I think it's a great point. I mean, I think he does a, spends a lot of time on this in the film, which I think is very important that it was addressed because it, it's almost, I mean, this film is very educational. And I think this part itself is very educational because it's what's not seen. Like I'm sure many people understand and see commercial fishing. I mean, it's obviously not as 
in your face as we see with you know animal ag and stuff like that um, in, in farms for land animals. But one thing that you never see is what happens behind the scenes. And, and Ollie does a great job addressing this. He talks about and he interviews many uh, organizations, many government officials, um, you know, many of these um, sustainable or people that are supposed to be doing good for these industries and good for the planet um, that are actually just not. So one of the examples I want to touch upon, he interviews um, Commissioner, and I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize, um, Carmenu Bella. Uh, he's the Commissioner of Fisheries and the Environment for the European Union, which I was, first off, very impressed he, he was able to land the interview. I feel like somebody's very hard to get in front of. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he landed the interview and he, he talks about um, what sustainable fishing is. What is the definition of sustainable fishing? How can we improve our fishing methods to you know lessen the bycatch, to help restore the oceans, help restore the climate? And ideally, I mean, uh, the commissioner basically said there's no real definition of sustainable fishing. He gave some some kind of analogies surrounding, really economic analogy. It didn't make any sense, but um, from from his description, because in reality the oceans are so much already in debt. How can you do anything? Like you should just stop fishing. That's the yeah. only answer. I mean, I agree with that too because an example that I uh, I learned about was. If you so we know the rainforest, the Amazon rainforests are being deforested. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we do that in a sustainable way? Is there a sustainable way to deforest the Amazon rainforest? I would say no, because how can you sustainably cut down trees of a rainforest that is already almost gone? How do you sustainably do that? What is the um? How much of the rainforest is gone? It's like eighty percent of it. It's right? way over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something it's, insane. It's something insane. Um, which is similar to what the state of the ocean is in regards to its fish population and marine life population. So that's kind of how I was thinking about it. How can you sustainably fish an ocean that is already desperately underpopulated and devastated by the amount of fishing there is the only sustainable option really is to stop fishing so that they can repopulate Mm -hmm. and and i thought he did a good job addressing that what i thought was interesting though with with this commissioner is that he doesn't really have a definition for sustainable fishing and then when he asks him how do we restore the oceans how do we do this the commissioner goes oh with more sustainable fishing (laughs) <laughs> so it's like this endless loop of just no, of nothing, of nonsense, of going nowhere, no action being taken, nothing really helping to, you know, revive and revitalize the oceans. And it's, it's um, as a viewer, it's a little bit, I would say, A, very concerning, but it almost makes me um, less hopeful, I guess, in the outlook on the oceans. I mean... This is a commissioner of fisheries and environment for the European Union, someone who should be addressing these issues, you know, spending all of his time. Obviously, someone who, and if you're sitting in that seat, you should be passionate about creating positive change for the oceans, and this guy just has no real answer. So to me, that was, I thought it was an amazing interview that he got, but I think if you're the EU or if you're anyone who cares about the ocean, you know, this is somebody you should try to get in contact with and try to get them to, to, to make some bigger changes. Agreed. And along the same lines, uh, Mark Palmer, who's the associate director of the International Marine Mammal po- Project, he was another guy that um, that was interviewed. And so as the associate director of the International Marine Mammal Project, 
He is responsible for what the Earth Island Institute does. So the Earth Island Institute, this is something I learned while watching the film, is the same organization that certifies fisheries as being dolphin safe. So what is dolphin safe? We had some fun with this last night at, tar- at Target. <laughs> yeah, when we were at Target, we were uh, going through the different aisles, you know, just Target things. Hashtag ad. <laughs> um, and we got to the uh, like the canned fish, canned tuna aisle, and we're like, ooh, we just watched Seaspiracy. We should go check out um, what this like dolphin safe label, if it's on tuna cans and uh, different tuna packets. And it was. It was on everything. It was on everything. Like, it might have looked a little different, but it always said, like, dolphin safe. It had a picture of a dolphin. Um, and I know the all the, the other label is also MSC certified, which we'll get to later in this conversation. But so anyway, so Mark Palmer was interviewed um, in this film, and he talked about what dolphin safe means. Like, what does that label mean? Um, and when he was asked what that da- what that label means, he said that dolphin safe doesn't mean or or here let me just do the quote. When he was asked if dolphin safe is actually dolphin safe, he stated, "Nope, nobody can. Once you're out there in the ocean, how do you know what they're doing? We have observers on board. Observers can be bribed and are not out on a regular basis." First, off, I want to say. If you, if Mark Palmer, you're trying to like defend uh, Earth Island Institute, you did a really bad job. Like if I was them, I would, I'd probably fire you because you just kind of just spill the beans there, buddy. But I appreciate you um, for being honest and, and I, you know, sharing that information with, um, with the public. You know, letting everyone understand that, you know, this isn't that feel good. This isn't that company that's do good. It's more of a feel good type of business, right? They're trying to do this to appear almost as like they're trying to make an impact but they're really not making it and he went further to say that the dolphin safe label although it doesn't guarantee that it's dolphin safe he was like well it just means that less vessels are out there intentionally fishing dolphins but how can my question is how can you label a food product that's supposed to tell a consumer about that product that it's dolphin safe if you are not 100% certain that that is dolphin safe. That's the equivalent of labeling something with being nut-free, but being like, "Mm, it might have a few nuts in there. I can't guarantee it's nut-free, but I'm still going to slap the label on there and say it's nut-free. Get your EpiPens ready. I know. And see, like, how can you do that? If anything, to be authentic, what they should do is say dolphin safe, possibly sometimes sometimes on occasion if we're not being bribed um yeah but so that is just blatant uh blatant dishonesty in my eyes yeah but i loved how ali got the interview with mark sat him down asked him the hard questions and got got the answers or got some answers because he he shows throughout the film a couple times where he was wasn't even able to get in front of these these companies these organizations or these you know officials one of which was the MSC. So for those who don't know, the MSC is the Marine Stewardship Council, and it's ideally another certification, another label that goes on with these packages, um, basically saying, hey, it's okay, these were you know, sustainably fished. 
And also, I think it might be important to mention who created the MSC. um, Oh, I'm getting there. Okay. Oh, yeah. So the MSC was created by the largest food retailers, right? So you're thinking this is created by, you know, Walmart, Kroger, Tesco, Birdseye, all these major food retailers. That's selfish in their stores. That's Yeah, that's selfish in their stores. Created a coalition giving the thumbs up certification that their fish is sustainable to be sold in stores. So now if you go to Kroger or go on their website, they're like, we only sell sustainable fish. Go to Walmart, we only sell sustainable fish. How the you tell me that every one of these major retailers is only selling sustainable fish? No, it's because they created a coalition that lets them put that certification on their food. I'm, hey. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I know, where, I know you're going. Now, how do you – there's got to be an audit system, right, John? Like, how do you <laughs> – how do you – like, what do you mean? Like, someone's got to check and see if these companies are actually doing sustainable fish. And you're right. They require first-party audits. AKA, they're auditing themselves. <laughs> so these major companies, think of a Walmart, created a coalition to get their own certification that states that they're sustainable, and who checks that they're actually sustainable? Themselves. It is crazy. Sorry, it's like it, ran over. It's like if I... Uh, no, I think you did a really good job explaining that. It's like if I, I made a label for myself to be like, all of... The things that I do are, I don't know. Sustainable. <laughs> are sustainable. And then just to double check that my label's correct, I'll check myself to make sure everything's sustainable. But you notice that you didn't recycle something that one time. But instead of but getting rid of the certification, you just say, eh, and you shrug it off like it's nothing because you make money off yourself being sustainable. So if you can't say it, then you lose your money and then X, Y, and Z. So it's... That that was a very interesting part. I I thought he just did a great job, and he allocated a lot of time in the film to this. And it, I know for a lot of people, it might not be like the most interesting part of of doing the research on this these industries, but it is just so eye opening to see that what is going on in the background. It's I find it so so important. Right. So we touched on the interviews, some of the key ones there. Um, what else do we need to discuss here? We wanted to address action steps, didn't we? Was there anything else, I guess, from the film that we wanted to touch upon? I know some, some fun facts. Not fun, fun facts. Some, some, <laughs> some, some sad very facts. sad facts. But was there, I guess, and then I know we wanted to leave them with some, some action steps. Right, right. Okay, let's jump into maybe some action steps. Because I think we have described the dire situation. And um, now it's about, okay, now that we're aware through films like Seaspiracy... And also just, wait, I guess this is kind of a, tan- a side note, understandably and expectedly, there's going to be a lot of backlash on the movie, on the film, Seaspiracy, uh, where people are upset with what was said or, or claim it to be inaccurate. So I'm not going to be here to say every single thing in Seaspiracy is 100% set in stone fact. At the end of the day, this is a documentary, and as a documentary, there is a bias Mm -hmm. when creating it. The information is portrayed with the goal of exposing the commercial fishing industry and explaining what is going on. I, even if, and this is my own perspective, even if every single statistic or every single claim made in that movie 
is not 100% accurate, I don't need to... I don't need it to be to understand the fact that the oceans are in extreme trouble. Mm -hmm. And because the oceans are extreme trouble, my life, your life, all human life is in extreme trouble. A hundred percent. So I guess the the next thing we need to talk about really are those, those action steps. What can we do as individuals to see the ocean? Um, one thing I want to mention, and, and obviously it, it makes a difference, um, but they do highlight a lot in the in the film how a lot of these organizations are like, oh, like we're gonna get rid of plastic straws. I know me and Asia have talked about plastic straws a lot and how we use reusable straws. Really doesn't make a big difference, or it makes it makes a difference, but doesn't make a um, a sizable or a difference relative to or comparing it to stopping industrial fishing, right? So obviously we can always we're all going to do our pieces. If you want to go back and figure out the little things you can do, the small things you can do to kind of change, you know, reduce your plastic, change, you know, decrease your carbon footprint. We have episodes on that, but there's bigger things that we can do as individuals. I want to share some of those right now. First off, talk about it all the time. For those of you who are already doing it, thank you. We love you. The first thing you can do is shift to a plant-based diet. Right, Asia? Mm-hmm. Um. Fishing nets, I think uh, we don't understand how much that contributes to marine life uh, death. So we know that they're eating a lot of like plastic straws. Like you can see like a lot of marketing will put um, like, oh, we're switching to uh, like no straws or, or paper straws to save sea turtles. But what can we do that will help sea turtles tenfold than just not using a thousand straws fold. a thousandfold uh it's not contributing to fishing practices or commercial fishing because that's where so many turtles are killed um i think the number is like 250,000 sea turtles are captured injured or killed by the fishing industry every single year just in the u.s 250,000 sea turtles in the U.S. alone every year. And that's all from the fishing industry. So what can we do to stop, reduce, eliminate, (laughs) just going back and forth, um, our fish consumption so that we're not supporting the fishing industry? It would be to switching to plant-based alternatives. Um, So I understand a lot of people enjoy eating fish. And of course, I'm talking to people who, who can have the ability to switch what they're eating, which is many people in the United States um, and in Western in Western um, countries where there's not an issue of food security. If anything, it's an overabundance of options to choose from. Um, and if you're financially capable of making those decisions, of having a plant-based alternative or just eating anything other than fish, then this is a message for you, basically. Um, and I know that a lot of people do take fish fish oil supplements for health reasons, health concerns. Um, really quick, this is about where fish get their omega-3s, which is why people take fish oils is for the omega-3s. You can actually get a plant-based version of that, which is algae, algae oil, because fish get their omega-3s from algae by eating the algae, which has the true omega-3 content. So instead of eating 
the or consuming the fish oil, why not just get it straight from the source, which is algae oil? I know a lot of people when they go when they are looking at their whenever they talk to me. I, I think this happens a lot. I maybe in our conversations or with or for some of the other vegans out there, but you'll have friends or family members be like, "Oh, well, like I don't eat meat. Like I'm a, I'm a pescatarian." It's like so you so you still eat fish. And the reason for that, a lot of them are like, oh, well, I can't hurt this you know, cuddly or this, you know, this furry cow, but like, I can't relate to a fish. It's important to try to understand and explain to them, you know, fish are still sentient beings. It is very still unethical to take the life of an innocent animal that doesn't want to die. It doesn't want to be killed. So I think it's, you know, you can always address that portion when talking to, to somebody who maybe likes to combat it, you know, combat and and push back when it comes to, you know, eating fish or fish consumption, I think that's a great, kind of a, an easy way to, to share with them. Mm-hmm. And it's always, I think, really good to mention, like, hey, do you have any other options? Is there any anything else that you could eat other than fish, other than uh, seafood, marine animals? Seafood. Seafood. Um, but yeah. See if I seafood and I eat it. I'm on the seafood diet. <laughs> that's the kind of seafood I eat. You're I seafood seafood and I diet. And I eat it. <laughs> I see vegan food and I eat it. Um, okay, so that's the first thing that we can do to help the oceans is yep. to reduce or eliminate our uh, seafood consumption. Now, on a bigger scale, what we need to do as a society is to enforce no-catch marine reserves protecting at least 30% of our oceans by 2030. Uh, that's obviously, you know, having these no-catch Reserves will allow, you know, certain areas of the oceans to begin to repopulate, to begin to, um, I guess, I guess rebuild these ecosystems that are dying, um, and that needs to be that needs to happen right now. This in this very moment, these things need to be be uh, be occurring. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is to end fishing subsidies. So fishing subsidies currently are worth thirty five billion dollars per year. Thirty-five a lot of money billion to keep dollars. this industry going, and without those subsidies, fishing well, would not exist. Commercial fishing. Would can not you explain? Because I didn't even know this. And this is just my lack of education. I didn't know what a subsidy was mm-hmm. prior to I guess going vegan when I started learning about the subsidies that farmers were getting from the from the U.S. government or, or from any government. So can you explain just what subsidies is really really quickly for them? Mm-hmm. I mean, a subsidy is just an amount of money that's allotted to a company, such as a dairy farm, or in this case, a commercial fishing company. They're given a certain amount of money to pay for, to be paid, basically, even if they don't meet certain quotas for how much fish they're catching or how much dairy milk they're producing. It's just the government's way of keeping those companies afloat. So, so you're saying that these companies are unprofitable. They're not great companies. They're very unethical. And then they're also, so like there's not a good company and our government are just giving them money to keep them alive. Just to keep them going. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good use of, of, uh, of our tax paying dollars. Yeah. We, so yes, we loved this film. Um, I really thought Ollie did a great job recording it, uh, or I guess not recording it, but capturing it, um, traveling all over the world, sharing different interviews, different experiences, 
um, and really just kind of exposing this industry for for what it is and and educating you know a lot of us. Again, I think um, the Instagram page is over seven hundred thousand followers. It was a top ten on Netflix in many countries around the world. So definitely getting the exposure it needs, but now we need the action. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think you summed that out perfectly, and. Just not taking lightly what you can do as an individual is really, really key in any type of movement where you're trying to make some some action happen or make a message heard to these large organizations who are giving out these huge, um, not huge, but like these blanket statements about sustainability and MSC certified and all of these types of things with no follow-up, no actual action on their part. So instead of just continuing to support them blindly, rather asking the questions is really important. So thank you so much for being part of this uh, discussion by listening and giving us feedback in our DMs, giving us a rating on this conversation. We really, really love to hear what you have to say about the discussions we're having here on Tofu Talk Pod. Um, and we are excited for our next episode of mm-hmm. this series, and also the finale will be really fun as well. Oh yeah, we've had a lot of great interactions with uh, with you guys, and, and, and we really enjoy that. That's kind of why we keep taking time to to record these episodes every single week. Um, so if you ever get the chance, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really goes a long way. Share the episode with you know, share it with one friend, share it with your family, share it with anybody that you think may have some interest or that may enjoy learning about some of this information, uh, and we hope you have an amazing and beautiful week. See ya. Bye.